Welcome to the show. Today, we have quite the treat for you. We have none other than Evan Slaughter, fit to serve content creator on the show today. He will be breaking down kind of his, his growth and how he got into generating content, understanding the entrepreneurial business size of content creation, as well as what his motivation is. For him, his story is really unique because he was a combat veteran from Afghanistan, receiving the Purple Heart and from coming back, battling through opiate addictions in order to create content, content that, in my opinion, is positive and is changing the world. So go look him up, enjoy the podcast, and we'll get back to you tomorrow. Okay, Evan, fit to serve Slater. No, Slaughter. Slaughter, yeah, Slaughter. I always tell people is laughter with an S in front. So that well, works. Think, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Slaughter's a really unique name, but I remember, you know, I, I used to know a guy named Matt Slater. And I just, the, the names get me sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I'm communicating, but hopping in today, thank you so much for coming on Master and None Podcast. And I really want to get into... Just kind of first, like, where are you located? So I'm out of Birmingham, Alabama. Alabama. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm born raised in Arkansas, so definitely. Oh, cool. <laughs> and then do you, why, are you like a college football fan? Are you? Yeah, I'm a pretty big college football fan. Uh, I was actually born in Montgomery, and a lot of my family, like my mom went to Auburn University at Montgomery, so we were grew up Auburn fans. That's cool. My grandpa actually played football for Auburn back in the day. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, he played, but it's like that classic Southern story where he, like, he went the first semester and his family needed him to come back home and pick cotton. So that's what he did. Oh, wow. Yeah. Different times. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's a different time for sure. Um, well, cool. Yeah. Um, I guess kind of hopping into it. So you know, obviously I brought you in because like your content, I really like your story and I kind of, I've enjoyed seeing your growth. It's been amazing. And um, I just kind of want you to tell listeners a little bit about your page and kind of where did the idea begin for you starting Fit to Serve? So I, um, you know, I was in the military from 2010 to 2014. Okay. So it was a little over four and a half years. Um, and when I got out of the military, I, I tried a couple, you know, did, did a couple different civilian jobs, you know, was into multifamily real estate for a little while and, um, did, did some management type positions at this, you know, plumbing company, local plumbing company. And I just wasn't ever really, you know, happy with, with what I was doing. And so I started venturing into social media. I've always enjoyed comedy, making people laugh. I've always was kind of since a kid than the, the kid that's making people laugh, getting in trouble at school, <laughs> class clown, smart mouth, you know, that kind of deal. So I started on TikTok just kind of putting out some some funny little sketch videos and a few of them started to take off. Um I was doing a lot of fitness stuff even though I'd gotten out of shape because I I do have a fitness background. Mm -hmm. So I, I thought it was kind of funny while I was trying to get back into exercise, just sort of start laughing at myself doing all this, you know, different stuff. And I noticed that people were relating to that. Um, they were engaging with the content. People were saying, man, you know, I, I've, I've been out of the gym for a while, or I'm too afraid to go to the gym or I'm super out of shape and your videos helped me to get up and move and stuff. And so I was like, we might be doing something here, you know? 
the fit to serve name kind of came from, I, I, I was always, um, you know, just with different struggles, getting out of the military, struggling with opioid addiction. You know, I was injured in Afghanistan, got on pain pills real bad. Um, so I went through different stages of struggling with mental health in my life, you know, not loving myself, you know, not valuing myself, um, bad, you know, body dysmorphia. You know, I was looking at some photos from from earlier 22 because I'd kind of gained some weight over this time, just got out of working out and making focusing on content. And I was I was remembering how I felt then, like, man, in my mind, I thought I was way out of shape. And looking back to then, I was like, damn, I wish I was back to that shape now. So I've learned a lot. And so Fit to Serve came from this idea that we're all in some way, I believe, you know, born to to serve others in some fashion, whether that be, you know, I always reference like school teachers, their patience with kids and their ability to be in that environment is something that is foreign to me because mm-hmm. I would lose my mind, I think, with screaming kids, you know, <laughs> but there's people that were made to do it. They love it. You know, um, comedy has been my thing, finding a way to, to share some positivity and share some self-love through making people laugh. You know, some people are in really good shape and they help other people learn to exercise, you know, so we're all gifted in some way. So that's the whole fit to serve. We're all fit to serve no matter what you look like physically, you know, no matter where you're at mentally, no mm-hmm. matter what you're going through, your economic status, we're all fit to serve. Yeah. And I think that message is amazing. And it's amazing how you kind of embarked on a journey where you're like, you know what, I'm not really feeling this nine to five right now. And I want to kind of see what I can do and use these videos. And I think what's really unique about your story, you know, is the military background in the opioid addiction, but that transition out of the military, I was never in the military. Um, But oddly enough, I was on the other spectrum, which was the Peace Corps. And whenever you're in the Peace Corps, you know, it's, it's, it's a different lifestyle, but whenever you transition back to the United States, you're like, this is so different. I'm not really used to it. And when I think about combat veterans, especially for what they've gone through, and they have that transition back within the first year to two years or going on, I, like, I can't imagine the mental demons you are battling just to get to a point of feeling like you're a part of a society. You're trying to get on page with something and you're trying to figure out how to get back in that routine and that flow. You know, And I feel like that, that, that story, that, that moment, is really overlooked sometimes. And I think when I look at your story and looking at your content and the way you express that, you know, for me, that's something that I feel like is really amazing. And, and, and I think I'm sure you went down some dark roads during that time. And, you know, with that being said, is that kind of what sparked the motivation with all processing all that and then using laughter as a way to kind of get over that hump? Or do you still feel like you're kind of in that hump? Yeah, for sure. Um, that's definitely part of it, like a, a big part of it. Um, you know, I think that, and and when you're in the moment, you know, and you're going through this pain, you know, going through these dark times, you can't see a way out a lot of times. At least I couldn't. I couldn't see where I'm at today doing this. But looking back, it's like, man, everything has just been <laughs> like following this path and, and, it wasn't like it just happened for me. You know, I had to put in a lot of work too. You know, I talk a lot about, you know, the, especially nowadays, I mean, there's, there's more and more, it seems like mental health issues. 
Um, I actually dealing with with a, a guy that committed suicide just a few days ago. Yeah, sorry to so hear. it's it's really you know it's a tough thing, and he was a, he's a military guy, um, and you know you never know what people are going through, um, so it's like in my mind, um, it's a battle, you know, like don't give up, you know, put people have people in your lives that you can be real with and be honest with that can encourage you that you can tell your plans to that can kind of guide you and help you along this journey because that's what really saved me was having friends that I could be honest with and say, Hey, I'm struggling in this area, you know, or I need to get help with this or, you know, I'm lost in this direction and then have that outlet so that, you know, and then be that outlet for someone else. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, like those dark times looking back now have definitely shaped and helped me get to where I'm at now. Um, But at the same time, it's, 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 being able to survive those dark times that I think people struggle with, you know, cause you just want to give up. You know I mean? I, I felt that way with gaining weight, like, man, it's cause I've been in really good shape in my life and I've been in really bad shape in my life, you know? And once you get out of shape, it's like, this is a struggle to get back in shape, dude. You just, it's so much easier to chill, eat whatever you want, you know? And I can, and I, and I used to, you know, when I was younger, kind of criticize people, that that were overweight and did nothing about it. And mm-hmm. then now kind of being in that spot where I'm older, I'm I'm, you know, not near as in shape as I want to be, I can relate to it and go, man, it's tough. It's tough, especially mentally, it's tough. Yeah. I mean, and I think that like being in shape, especially over your 30s, is like it's a whole like your body feels so different. And yeah, you know, when like when so your first video that popped up on my for you page was the CrossFit page where it's like you know, when first day, three days in CrossFit and like you hit the nail on the head so perfectly with that content. And like, one thing that's really interesting is about it is like, is that like your ability to read people to be like, oh, this is this guy and this is this person. Or is like, how how are you so well at identifying kind of those first moments of that one person who just can't stop talking about it? Like, because that to me is like, that's kind of like the little gem within those uh, videos. Yeah, yeah. Um. I think there's definitely some, maybe some natural ability just to be uh, able to, to, to read people and, and be relatable. Um, also, you know, I felt like sometimes, or we all at least had that friend that, that is that way with stuff. Like they get involved in something and they go all in, they buy every piece of, you know, CrossFit gear that they can buy. They buy. And I mean, hell, I feel like I've been that person at some, you know, some point so it was kind of easy to slip into that role and then having you know some knowledge of of exercise I think that's what shocks people the most is is they see me and a lot of people can see like you know this this term uh fit fat is going around you know (laughs) so it's like people can look and go okay this guy's been in shape and every now and then I'll post some weightlifting videos because I was a big weightlifter you know so some people get it and go okay he he's not just completely foreign to this idea of working out and CrossFit. He knows something about, you know, so mm-hmm. that's helped too, because I, I do know a little, you know, I've done some CrossFit. I'm hell. I'm actually looking at, at getting back into it to help me get in shape. So, but I've had such a good, uh, you know, the, the CrossFit audience has been so receptive to the content. I get so many people reaching out, you know, see people out in public that will say something, invite me to their gym. 
Yeah. So there's a couple of gyms I'm checking out later this week that that people have invited me to. And that's that's one thing. So I live as like a digital nomad for the last year with my wife. We've lived in South America, Ecuador, Mexico. Oh wow. Miami, DC. We travel and and travel and work and and I've worked out in CrossFit gyms in every one of those gyms. And each one of them is like a really good community. Like it's not necessarily like the working out is important and like fit to serve to me, like serves that mission of yes, working out is important, but mental health is just as important. And you kind of, you're bringing them together within the comedy and each gym I've worked out at in it. Like people have been so supportive. Like I'm here in LA right now and I went to K2 um, fitness, which is a CrossFit gym in Koreatown. And on day two, people are talking to me, inviting me, wanting to hang out. And I'm like, that's the thing about the CrossFit community that gets overlooked sometimes is the fact that if you are trying to get tied into a little bit of a community and build it out and build positive habits where you're not using substance and you're not drinking and taking drugs that connect, it's like, it's a whole different spectrum. And I think that's kind of what's unique about it. But what's crazy is when you go in there and there's like a woman who's like over 55 and she's just destroying the workout and she's like, I can't even breathe. Like, yeah, how are you lifting and doing so many pull-ups and you only weigh like 130 pounds? So those are kind of like the humbling moments in it too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, my brother invited, so my brother, I've got an older brother who's in Tennessee and there's a, there's a pretty decent CrossFit gym there. I think they, they host maybe some of the, um, the quarterfinals for the game, you know, like, like they're a pretty legit gym up there. And, uh, he's, you know, he, he's been in and out of shape his whole life too. Uh, but had some buddies get him into it. And so he's, he's stuck with it, you know? So I was up there for Christmas and he was like, you got to come, you know, do a CrossFit workout with me. And this was, you know, just a few months ago. So it wasn't like, I had already put out several CrossFit videos. So Mm -hmm. that content was popular then, you know? And so he was like, you got to come. So we go, you know, and he puts me through this workout and I mean, I'm smoked. I, you know, I'm skipping the exercise. I'm skipping some of the exercises. Like I'm picking and choosing. I'm not doing the full time on stuff. I'm not, you know, and I was like, damn, man, I'm just watching these other people go through it. I was like, I got to do something about this. <laughs> like, I got to get in shape. I was always, you know, a little bit more in shape than my brother, I would say. But you said something earlier, you know, about mental health. Like this is a big you know, about physical fitness and mental health. For me, it's like I couldn't even desire to get in shape again until I had what was going on up here checked out, you know, because mm-hmm. I didn't care. You know, I didn't care about myself. And it was like I found out that through learning to love myself, no matter what I look like. So a lot of people, another, you know, a, a, a popular comment on the videos that people are encouraged by are the confidence. Where do you get your confidence, you know? I'm obviously not in shape. I go out there, take my shirt off, move around because I don't care what other people think about me anymore in a healthy way, not in an unhealthy way, but like, I'm not concerned with how people perceive me or what the, you know, I'm learning to love myself. And through that process that has motivated me to now want to take care of myself, you know, Mm -hmm. watch what I eat, watch what I drink, get, you know, get back into exercise go to the doctor regularly for checkups, just stuff that I just never cared about before because I didn't care if I lived or died. You know what I mean? So that's a big part. And that's a big part of the message too. Yeah. It sounds like you're on a little bit of autopilot. It's almost like you transitioned and you're on this survival autopilot mode, but like, what was the turning point to where 
you kind of went from maybe autopilot to like truly loving yourself and then getting that mental awareness like what took place for that to happen um so definitely you know getting clean of the the opiates you know i'd been on on and off them for a long time i was using you know being injured in afghanistan as a legitimate excuse to take them in my mind but then it turned into more than that because i knew the truth is like i'm just abusing this stuff because it I, you know it, it helps me numb from this this existence that i'm not happy with you know went through a divorce through the process just went through all these different events and i finally got so you know just just you, you know people say hit rock bottom or whatever maybe maybe that's what it was maybe i found a, a bottom that i just it was like all right you know one of two things is going to happen, you know, because mm-hmm. I can't go on like this. Um, fortunately for me, you know, I'm not one that that ever struggled with suicide or thoughts of suicide or anything like that. And I'm thankful for that. I think that there's some, you know, another level of mental health with that, mm-hmm. um, that I'm fortunate to say that I, I haven't experienced that. Um, but I definitely got to a, a place in life where it was like, I can't keep doing this, mm-hmm. you know. Whatever this this is, this isn't worth living. I can't keep doing this, so I gotta do I gotta do something about it. And a big part of that change was getting into this comedy stuff, doing what I love, mm-hmm. getting out of the job that I didn't enjoy doing. Now I know that there's you know if I had to go back to work and I couldn't do content creation full time anymore, and I had to go get a job, I would do it. You know, I would find something to do. But taking that step and saying. I'm unhappy here, you know, I need to make some changes and then being bold enough to, to go after it mm-hmm. for me right now has proven not only effective in my journey and, and happiness and peace in life and trying to be healthy again, but it's also afforded me an opportunity to to do something for a living right now that, I mean, it's, it's not like work, you mm-hmm. know, it's, you know, it is my work, but it's not like work. It's it's just enjoying life and getting paid to do something I love. Yeah, I'll definitely say you're a workhorse, though. I can tell by your content, videos, like speaking with you last week. I was like, yo, this dude, because I tracked up with your um your tournament that you went on. Then you came back yeah. and you, you probably only had one day of turnaround and then you hopped on here with me. And I'm like, so you're definitely, a, you're definitely, I can, I can tell by the consistency in your video. Because I look at like, I even went back to look at your timeline because I'm like, when did this start popping off for you? Because it seems like in 2018, you're kind of there. And then look on your Instagram in 2001, that's where you like started generating content. And I'm like, yo, this dude, like he stacked them. Like there's so much content here. And like, that's what's really amazing about your story too, is like there is that to look at where you did, you are at that point where you did just grind it out and you're you're obviously going to keep grinding and just like staying on the mission. Yeah, it's a funny thing. We actually, that tournament, it was fun. Um, that was a huge opportunity. You know, signing that two-year deal with Valair, that pickleball paddle company, has afforded me an opportunity to at least continue doing this for two years, which is amazing. Um, but that tournament was was some work, man. I'm telling you, five days out there in the heat in Daytona, making good, funny content, tons of fans out there. You know, I got to meet a lot of people that support the content, which you don't always get to do until you're in that realm. Mm -hmm. So that was fun. But we had uh, our flight got delayed. We missed our original connecting flight last night. 
So we got in actually, I think I finally went to bed about one in the morning last night and uh, woke up and I was like, all right, I got to turn it on because I, I got to do this podcast. And so, but, but it's like I said, I mean, I do try to grind. I do, I do work as hard as I can at it. And I feel like a big part of that is because I love do you know, I love doing it. It's not like getting up and going to the office for me. It's, it's uh, getting up and, and being blessed to be able to do stuff like this. Yeah, I think that deal is amazing. And I think what's cool too about where you are, like like doing a deep dive is is your content is growing. But what's so interesting is simultaneously you're having the business end of it. Like because you have your yeah. your merch now, you have affiliation and, and you're getting these sponsorships. And to me, that's like so it, I can't imagine kind of how exciting or I can, but it's like when you get to that point where you're mirroring both of them. It's like really amazing from a content creator's journey to see those things happening and kind of opening up and getting that um, there. But was it like, so was the tournament, like how big was the tournament? Because pickleball has really taken off. There's a lot of people who are really getting into it. I have learned so much more about uh, pickleball, especially the pro scene, the professional scene of it um, since getting into this. And this was my first real pro tournament it was big i mean you know thousands of people probably that you know there at the event um it was they played from thursday through sunday sunday was the day for the kind of the this last round of semifinals and then the championship that afternoon uh streamed on youtube uh you know gary v was there because he owns uh one of the teams uh-huh. he was there uh the dude that started papa john's was there for a little bit so there were some you know big faces there people are starting to buy these teams there's a lot of money behind it um and it like i said it was cool uh people would come up you know that that watch the content all the pro players you know are were familiar with my content I had one of the guys during a match, one of the pro players during a match, turn around and goes, I love your videos, man. Yeah. So it was <laughs> cool because I didn't know what to, I didn't know how many people knew about it. I didn't know. Now, the guys I work with at Belair who are at the tournaments a lot and I make some exclusive content for, they kind of they kind of knew because he kept telling me, he's like, everybody you know loves your content out there. But I was just thinking, well, you know, maybe, maybe they haven't, uh, maybe a few people have seen it. But I mean, I, it was a really good, Showing, I would say that and CrossFit are like my two areas where people people enjoy you know it the most. So that's awesome. Yeah, what's crazy is like um like paddle sports. So they did like a study and they looked at five different sports of longevity of people who live the longest, what sports they play, and a lot of them are playing like tennis, ping pong, racquetball, and that like and like I, I read that study and for whatever reason. I was in Ecuador and my wife's like 89 year old grandfather plays ping pong. And I lived in China for two years. I played in a couple tournaments. I'm not bad at ping pong. Okay. And like I go and I play this guy and he smokes me like, yeah. like lightning quick reflexes just playing. And it's like, what's so crazy is like to see that. And then at the same time, there's a thing called Mexican tennis, which is kind of like paddle ball. Okay. Only like a, a racquetball court that's taking off in Ecuador and South America. And it's a little bit like paddleball, but it is a lot of fun. I mean, I think it's probably one of the best ways to get out and interact with people. And it's not like crazy physical, like tennis, like you're not running all up and down the court nonstop. Right. 
So I guess that kind of ties me into like, how long did it take content wise for your, one of your videos to pop off? Like how long did you, would you like, what, what, what time would you put on it? And then how many videos would you say you made before you got to that point? Um, so I would say the first I had, I had, um, just when we started messing around with this, it was early 2022, really kind of right at the end of 2021, but I would say more so 2022. And I was really focused on TikTok, although I was posting on um, Facebook, started kind of posting on Instagram. I mean, I had 384 Instagram followers that were basically just friends mm -hmm. whenever I started this in mm -hmm. you know 2022 so i started kind of putting a little bit of stuff out there so tiktok facebook and instagram i had a video on facebook that was just me and a buddy acting like we were you know we were we were really renovating a bathroom at my parents house and doing all the demo <laughs> and uh this is when i just gotten started uh with the social media stuff so still kind of working on the side to make some money and we acted like we demoed the wrong bathroom, you know, uh -huh. and we played it off like it was real and it wasn't even anything intentional. And we put that on TikTok and Facebook and it did uh, okay on TikTok, but on Facebook, it got 4.6 million views. Wow. So <laughs> I was like, what the hell? And, uh, <laughs> you know, wasn't even trying, really trying anything there. So that, that unlocked some monetization for me on Facebook. Mm -hmm. I got invited into their reels program and that was exciting. Cause I was like, okay, this is, mm -hmm. you know, this is legit, you know? So, uh, that's whenever I started, well, let me get more deliberate about what I'm doing here. Let me get, and I would say about six months in, maybe that summer, spring, summertime, it was, I started doing the, your friend that, you know, just got into running and that went viral on TikTok. Um, uh, with like, you know, 1.6 or some 2 million views. Maybe I was doing some shorter videos too, like, uh, trying to get the single mom next door to notice me. And that did really <laughs> well on TikTok as well. And it would mm. just be like me holding a shovel or something with my shirt off and some short shorts in the backyard with the right song. And we would zoom in slowly and ha you know, mm -hmm. So that kind of got me recognized too on TikTok because people were redoing my videos, duetting and stitching a lot of my videos there. And I was like, this is working. And then I kind of had to move away from that and start. I was like, I'm going to really set myself apart here because mm -hmm. I noticed some of the bigger accounts, especially the comedy stuff, it was like they're doing their own thing. You know, they're, they're, they're doing sketch comedy. They're coming up with these bits. They're talking. You know, you'll see some accounts on TikTok where they've got, a decent following but they never say a word it's uh -huh. either lip sync stuff or just music and them doing you know and that's great but i was like i'm all you know really try to set myself apart and so that's when the your friend that just started running and the your friend that just started crossfit or your friend that just started working out and those started taking off and then they started taking off on instagram mm -hmm. and that's whenever really the growth kind of happened for me yeah so i would say maybe five videos five of those sketch comedy videos to answer your question um, before it really, you know, became something that I started hammering. <clears throat> yeah. That's interesting. Um, and what would you say, like, if someone said like, what is the key to your success or like what, what allowed you to do? What do you think was just being true or just having fun with the content experience and kind of just taking it on as a journey, not necessarily as a job, but like, Hey, 
let's just see where this goes because it's really fun at this point and maybe something could happen. Yeah, I would say like for me it's big to to be myself. Like I know where I think I'm funny. You know, I think that can be one of the most frustrating things for someone who's trying to do comedy is when they get told how to, you know, why don't you try to do this? Or why don't you try to do that? It's like, cause I don't feel comfortable doing it. You know, like I, I, I know what I think I'm funny at and I know what's worked. So let me do that. So it's like being true to myself, not trying to replicate things I've seen work on social media. That's another thing for me is I try hard now not to consume too much of other people's content, not just, you know, to scroll through and watch every now and then I will just for my own entertainment but I try to keep myself from that because I don't want to be influenced by other ideas I see mm-hmm. out there. I want it to be all right here. Mm-hmm. And I want to trust that because I'm seeing it work. So sometimes I just won't watch any other content. I'll just make content, produce content and put it out there. And every now and then if I'm chilling and there's some people I follow or whatever, scroll through just to appreciate what they're doing but mm-hmm. I really try hard to keep myself from that, especially during the week when I'm making a bunch of videos. Um, so like being true to yourself for sure. And then another thing was like working with these companies. Um, I've had so many opportunities. I've had to turn down opportunities. I've had to, and a lot of that is I don't want to be told <laughs> what to do. So it's like, if someone's going to come in and, and want to work with me, I know what I can give you best. You know, I know what I can offer you. If if you're wanting to work with me and do something and you've got all these ideas and you want me to do this or you think we should do this, I'll listen to them. Great. You know, but ultimately let me, you know, let me make stuff for you that I feel like is going to work. And so that's why a lot of the, the stuff you see me do with collabs or partnerships, we've had those conversations mm-hmm. or they'll just say, Hey, do whatever you want to do. That's what Valer has been great at the pickleball paddle company. That guy said, we love your stuff. I don't want to tell you what to do at all. You just, let's agree to however many videos a week for, you know, two years and you do your thing, you know? So it was good. That's awesome. So it sounds like it's like you got, you got like an entrepreneurial spirit at the same time of being creative. And then you found your niche, which is like kind of focusing on, you know, kind of that fit to serve model. Um, right. And do you have a background of entrepreneurs or people in your family or, or is there anything like from a DNA standpoint where you're like, okay, I get this from uncle Joe or like, is there like something like that where it's like internally like built into you or do you just stand out amongst your family? No, that's a great question. Um, that's, that's one I haven't thought about, uh, so my dad and has always owned his own business, you know, him and his, some of his family members have, you know, always started different businesses. He's, that's what he does now as a business. He started with a couple other guys. My brother's the same way. Now he's worked for um, other companies, but, but it's been in sales and he's exceeded in sales. So I think I've kind of got that sales personality, but he also, my brother also starts businesses as well. So there's definitely that. I learn a lot from them. One thing I think that I've I've tried to focus on, like you've been pointing out, as I've gotten older, especially with this, is treating it like a business. Mm-hmm. So like when you go into these business conversations with people that want to work with you, it's like you got to be able to turn the funny on and off and you mm-hmm. got to be able to have these conversations. 
you know, negotiate these deals with people. Don't undersell yourself. You know, I didn't know what to charge whenever I first started doing this. I didn't know what I was worth. Mm-hmm. I, you know, whenever Valer came in and offered a contract, I was like, okay, two-year contract sounds good, but what if in two years I have a million followers? You know, like yeah, yeah, uh, that's maybe likely. Um, so how do I negotiate that to where it makes sense for me to do this? You know, um, so that that goes back to me also understanding you know where i need to ask for help during this process and maybe have these conversations like with my brother or with my dad or whatever who might be able to help kind of guide me through some of the business stuff mm-hmm. as i do this and just, just being smart enough and mature enough to know like this feels like something i need to take to somebody before i just agree <laughs> to it you know cuz i you know i i don't want to undersell anything and i i want to get the best deal. So I think that's a big part of being successful, making content on here full time is you, it's a business, treat it like a business, mm-hmm. you know? And I also do that with my content. Like I could, you know, coming out of the military, I was uh, pretty crude. You know, if I get on there on my videos and some of mine are edgy, you know, but I, I try to get right up to the line without crossing it, you know? Yeah. So that way I'm marketable. You know, I don't want people to come to my page and, it's just me cussing and making jokes about using drugs because I could do that, you know, mm. <laughs> and people have success doing stuff like that if they're funny at it. But I want to be marketable. You know, I want to I want to represent whatever business I work with well. Mm-hmm. And I think through that and having that mindset, it has definitely helped me to be able to do more deals and not limit myself. Yeah, that's pretty remarkable. And it's like I had um, Chris Clappin on um, later on in like he'll be up here i release his podcast later this weekend what he does is he specializes in tiktok um digital marketing and he's built a really big brand and and he's like one of the biggest issues you do see is like content creators get all these follows they get so high up here but they don't have that brand ability to match it Mm -hmm. and they kind of dwindle and they don't know how to really market it but with you it's like it seems like it's been like integral for each part of your growth to where you're like, I am, I'm aware of it. You know, I have a family support group and it's kind of been like piece to success, if you will, on understanding how to leverage both. Because I think when people attack content creation, they want to make it into a, um, a business, but finding your voice, like what do I really represent? Like, I think a lot of people get kind of lost in that minutia and also just the consistent grind of building it up, you know? So I think, you know, where you've done so, been so great at it, it seems like you you really have just the full circle of experience and the motivation just pushing you to get to that point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree. Like, I've seen so many people, and, and that's one thing I learned along the way is, like, it's not, I mean, you look at my following count, like, 50, we just hit 54,000 on Instagram. That's great. The growth has been fast. Um, that's, that's great. 67 something thousand on TikTok. You know, yeah. that's yeah. not bad. Those numbers combined, decent little audience. Um, but the big thing has been, and what I love about these platforms is you can pull the analytics easily. So mm-hmm. like when a company comes and, and they're, we're negotiating a deal, I'll screenshot them my 30 day analytics and show them where I'm reaching 2.5 million accounts on Instagram and one point something million on TikTok. Yeah. And my views are up. My, you know, so it's not 
just about the following. So you'll see big accounts with this following and they're not doing half the deals or getting half the opportunities because their, their numbers are just down, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like making content that's going to be shared, viewed, you know, um, people can relate to. So the, the following I think will come, you know, larger following continues to grow. It grows rapidly, but really when it comes down to it, it's like, are you making stuff that people are going to watch? Are you making stuff people are going to share? Are you know, and that's where I think I've been able to kind of yeah. lock down is, some of these deals. Yeah. The answer is yes. Like, cause I like look at your videos and what, like, like I was looking through the, before you on Instagram and I know people in the CrossFit community personally who are liking your videos. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. Like, so when you see that, I'm like, all right, well, that is definite trending upwards. But I guess with like all that success, you know, when we kind of get into this point, I think what do you think maybe one of your biggest limiting beliefs or fears were there? Um, like, or what is something like as a limiting belief or fear that like, how do you deal with that demon? Like a fear or a negative belief from, from kind of doing what you're doing now because you, you have been so bold you have taken the risks like, like how do you manage that so one of the biggest things there's there's a couple of them that that cross my mind regularly one of them is if i get in shape if i actually get in shape and get in better shape will i still be funny will i still be relatable um that's one i've struggled with personally and i remind myself that well most of my life I've been in shape and, and I've always been, you know, that funny guy. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I, I think that that will only help the fit to serve brand at this point. Um, I get a lot of comments about people saying, you know, watch this guy make these videos and accidentally get in shape. So <laughs> if that happens, you know, maybe I can market that a little bit. Uh, and, and it only goes along with what I'm actually trying to do. It's like, yeah, I'm trying to make people laugh and do all that. And I, I can do that. No problem you know mm -hmm. um but what else is behind it like we've discussed and it's like well i am on this journey i talk about being on this journey i talk about trying to get back in shape i gotta do it <laughs> you know i can't just keep talking about it let's do it so that's mm -hmm. been a big fear the other is like and and it's tough you know i don't i'm fortunate to where i do not have a lot of negative feedback i just don't i mean every now and then you'll get on there and you'll see someone comment you know you know, say something negative or, or try to fat shame you or try to say, you know, you should really be doing this or this isn't funny. This is blah, 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 you know, very rarely. And I've learned how to deal with that. And it took a lot of just maturity and just, you know, trial and error, I guess you could say. So the old me would want to trash that person, you know, Mm -hmm. Go on, and I could do it successfully. I know I could. I've been good at putting down people my whole life. I used to use, you know, being funny and being a smart ass in a negative way. You know, it was more of a fear tactic. I would feel less than, so let me make fun of you kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I could easily do that. Um, it's like that's almost what they want. You know what I mean? I could talk about, you know, stuff that they don't know about. You know, oh, I was in the infantry, injured in Afghanistan, Purple Heart recipient. Oh, I benched 315 for reps, you know, mm -hmm. but I purposely don't do that. You know, find that out on your own about mm -hmm. me if you watch the content. These are just people that come to one video, see something and say something negative. So my whole thing has been trying to respond to all that stuff with positivity and kindness. Yeah. Even if it's just some idiot saying, 
you know, this guy's blah, blah, making fun of this. He's going to die of a heart attack. And, you know, I'll go in there and be like, hey, you know, appreciate it. Check out some of the other videos. I actually am trying to lose weight. Thanks for your comment. Have a nice day. And I'll even pin a lot of times the negative comments to the top of the videos so everyone else can see it and let, you know, let them say whatever they want to say to that person. But Mm-hmm. Let them also see how I'm responding, how I'm choosing to respond, because I think that for me goes behind the thought of trying to push this positivity thing. You know, yeah. you never know where people are at. Sometimes people that make those comments are obviously struggling with something. So let's try to be the change in at least this person's day. They're expecting me to retaliate. Let me show them some love and kindness instead and see if that helps. Yeah, it's like you're you're not acting out of your ego. Like you're not allowing yeah. your ego to dictate those conversations and you're, 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 you're approaching it in a way that is so consistent with your brand. Cause in all reality, someone could land on your page and be like, man, they're making fun of him because he's getting in shape. Maybe that's what's going to happen to me. And then they see the positive message and they see you dealing with people who are negative or, and they're like, okay, well the way he's dealing with it gives me more connection to this problem or this process. And, and to fully commit, you know, on this journey, I have to understand that this shit, it's going to happen. And yeah. you might see it every now and then, but how you deal with it and how you react to it. But also, like for someone to make fun of you is crazy to me. Because when I see your videos, I'm like, clearly I can tell this man does not care what you think. And he is here yeah. just to entertain and help people along this journey. Like your quote, your cold plunge video. That one, <laughs> yeah. that one was hilarious because I saw you get in there with that other dude in the bottom. Like I couldn't even imagine how uncomfortable that was to film being cold and then being pressed up against another dude in that bucket, like that thing. But I'm like, clearly, like he is here to serve through comedy and fitness. Like that's kind of when I yeah. see your message. It's so clear. Yeah, yeah, and that's you know, that's why I enjoy talking to talking with people like you that get it. You know, because most of the people do. And they'll even say, you know, like I said, every now and few between the thousands of comments that are going to go on these videos, you know, every now and then you'll get one. Well, well, actually, cold plunging is good for your body because it like no shit. You know, I know this (laughs) stuff, you know, (laughs) I know it's good for you. You know Uh what I mean? Like, I know it's a health thing. I know, you know, I know eating right is good for you, you know. But most of the people understand, you know, understand. But I'll have people reach out all the time, say, please do this next. Please do that next. The Brazilian jiu-jitsu video that I uh, just put out, that's doing great. You know, a couple hundred thousand views already on Instagram. That was a a common request. Please do a Brazilian jiu-jitsu video. Please, you know. And I was like, all right, you know. So uh, that tells me that people get it, you know. Yeah. Well, (laughs) the thing about I've done um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu yeah, And I was doing it pretty heavily before COVID. And then I kind of just got out of the routine of it. But there is no feeling a feeling so pathetic as stepping onto the mat and then just having a blue belt just like fold you up like a little pretzel. Yeah. And you're like, this dude could just kill me. And you have to just tap. And like, yeah, that's it. And then every time you get out of it and you like leave it and you're like, man, I have been humbled so many ways today. Like, so yeah. whenever like that, the, I think the thing about CrossFit and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is they are very humbling experiences. And, sure. And I think when people get humble, that's where like the ego is like it's gone, and then you can laugh about it because you know those experiences pretty well. Yeah, it builds some com- camaraderie, you know, like going through that together. And uh, the the 
amount of benefit that physical activity has for our brains, you know, I think is a big part of why these these group workout stuff do so well because you're you're you know your endorphins are high. You're all doing something positive together, and then it helps you to grow socially. So that's like a big reason why my goal through some of these videos is, you know, for the person who's on the couch and and trying to maybe do a little bit of stuff at home to try to get, you know, my goal is to eventually show them, hey, let's let's do some stuff here. Let's let's do enough to gain the courage to go to the gym, you know, mm -hmm. and then once you get to the gym, you'll see that it's not intimidating. You know, I'm sure there are some places, but find the right place for you and find, a, you know, caring, loving people. And like the CrossFit community is so good about that, where it's like you don't have to be. I mean, hell, even I felt ashamed, uh, not ashamed, but a little hesitant, you know, about going to the CrossFit gym because I know I'm way out of shape than most of the people that are probably going to be there. But I also know that the type of community they are, they're going to welcome me right in. And as long mm -hmm. as I put forth some effort, you know, I think that's going to, that they're going to appreciate that. And I know at least I will for myself. So it's like I'm growing socially, mentally, physically by just putting myself in that environment and taking that step. So, yeah, like community, like the thing is what's so crazy about that community is they will stick with you. Like if you go to that gym, you connect with them on Instagram, they're going to still be liking and following and commenting. But I guess kind of with that being in effect, kind of looking at the political situation last month with the TikTok ban or talk about it, are you like anticipating, <clears throat> like, what are you, are you strategizing for it? Or are you just kind of waiting to see what will happen or are you diversifying on multiple platforms? I've been so fortunate to have Instagram take off that was a concern for me um, with TikTok probably four months ago, four or five months ago when my Instagram was was growing, but not where it is now. I was, you know, really concerned about it. Um, but now because Instagram is doing so well for me and I am doing stuff on YouTube shorts as well, I try to hit all the platforms. I don't post as much on Facebook just because. The, the my audience the audience isn't really there. I mean, it is. I think I've got four thousand followers on Facebook, and I've made some decent money on views on Facebook, but it's not as frequent as as it's almost not worth it at this point. So I'm just trying to kind of focus on Instagram, YouTube Shorts, and still TikTok. But if something were to happen with TikTok, I've done a, a couple little stories on TikTok where it's like, hey, go check me out on Instagram. This is where I'm really trying to push people that direction if tiktok were to just shut down one day um and we go to open the app and now we can't use it i think that i would get a decent percentage of tiktok followers knowing where to find me on instagram mm -hmm. so i've got that kind of set up that way um and then if tiktok were to go away like i said i have been so pleased and focused on instagram and its growth that i really wouldn't sweat it at this mm -hmm. point views yeah. have been so up and down especially recently on tiktok with all this stuff like it's like nobody's getting views right now for some reason and it's probably got to do with a lot of what's going on yeah it feels like they kind of locked down the algorithm like and they've really yeah. been it's i don't know why they're locking it down but whenever you look at like the it's just weird how it's been shut down and they kind of just like all right let's dial this down a little bit and let's really put a lot of this stuff through a filter and it mm -hmm. seems like and that's kind of what 
that didn't what make what made TikTok great was like the wildness of the algorithm where you're like, yo, this thing's getting wild views right now, you know, type kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess like you've been on this journey and you're doing like well. And if there was anything you could tell yourself at the beginning of the content creation journey, like if you could go back and talk to yourself, like what would you tell yourself about it? Like what would you, what is, what is the message you would leave with? I would probably say to myself, um, you know, don't let what you see on on the social media platforms doing well affect what you're doing on your content. I was very, in the beginning, almost so focused on what other people were doing that was succeeding that I was taking my my own opportunity out of it. Like mm-hmm. I was taking me out of it and just trying to do my own version of what was working. And then I had to, I like worked my way towards just doing me. And if I, I feel like if I would have started with that suit a little bit sooner and trusted it, then now it was a process. I learned a lot. I look back at some of the stuff I used to make on TikTok and I go through and delete some old stuff a lot. And I was like, man, that was bad. What was I like? What was I thinking? You know, that was bad, Mm -hmm. but not all of it was that way. So it was like a journey for me. And the biggest thing, it's almost like I appreciate those, some of those little failures because I didn't quit, Mm -hmm. you know, if I wasn't getting any views or if I wasn't getting anything from it, I was still doing it and I was having fun doing it. Mm -hmm. And that was the most important thing. So, you know, just trusting in and the content I want to create. That's, that's what I tell people when they ask a lot. Um, how do I get doing it? You know, just do you, you know, don't try to be somebody you're not. If your thing is, you know, travel videos, you like to travel and you're really good at it. Don't go try doing sketch comedy just because you see so-and-so with 4.5 million followers and he's really funny and you feel like you could do, you know, if you want to try it, great. But if you know your thing and your heart and your passion is in travel videos, Mm-hmm. focus on that and do it because you enjoy doing it and and because you love it you'll put more effort into making this content and that's probably why it will succeed mm-hmm. yeah i think like one thing that's really evident from speaking with you is like you have a voice internally that allow it's almost like like people tell you something but you're like whatever i'm just gonna do it my way like i don't know if it's a stubbornness or just a simple <laughs> fact that it's like you're like yeah i'm gonna do it like this because i want to but would you equate that to being like stubborn or would you equate it to just no? I feel like, you know, sometimes I, I have to, I feel like it's a thin line between the two. You know what I mean? Like, like sometimes I can be stubborn and I can go into something closed minded. I'm usually pretty good now, especially when, when working with companies that at least want to have some kind of say, or they have writers where they know, well, you know, our business is about sort of promoting this. What do you think about this idea? They're not giving me a script. They're not telling me what to say. They're not telling me what to wear. They're not telling me, you know, they're just saying, look at this idea. That's a little easier to deal with because then I can take that idea and come up with how I would do that idea. Mm -hmm. So that's, so I try to remain as open as possible on doing ideas. It's like, when people are very specific about, and this has happened, you know, very few times, or or if you get a message where somebody's like, you should do a video where you're saying this and you blah, 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 you know, 
And it's like, okay, <laughs> you know, that's good for you. I don't find that funny, you know. Maybe you should do the video. <laughs> Maybe you do the video. Yeah. So it's like I I know what I'm comfortable doing, you know. Mm -hmm. I know where I think I'm funny. I know I and, and if I'm uncomfortable about it or I don't feel like I'm gonna be funny, then I'm probably not gonna be funny because I'm mm -hmm. already in my head about it. Mm -hmm. So it's like let me take your idea and and do it how I would do it um, without the specifics of, you know, say this and hold this. And when you come into the room, do, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. And then I guess right now it kind of just might be closing out here in a little bit, but do you have a team or is it still you doing everything? Like, have you, have you started to build the team or do you outsource videography or, like, how have you started to scale internally? Um, most of the time, it's me shooting the content, editing the content. I wow. actually love the editing process. It's the longest part of the process. Shooting it is not, you know, doesn't take much time. Um, sometimes it does, you know, when I'm doing my little angles and I got to get the belly just right with the, you know, <laughs> but uh <laughs> <laughs> but the editing, I have something I really enjoy. Now, for the traveling, um, I do have a buddy that goes, and he's got some photography experience and and really good with the camera, and he knows what I like, and he he lets me, he listens to me, you know, whenever I'm out there directing, even though he knows what I'm about to tell him to do, anyways. Mm -hmm. So, like for example, they, you know, the the pickleball stuff, we were out there, they, they flew us both out because it, you know I wouldn't have been able to do that by myself, like going yeah, around the, you know having someone with the camera definitely helped so those scenarios i'll use somebody but my next step is to to try to do more of that with with my buddy alex who does some of the camera stuff with me and maybe maybe dabble into some longer content for youtube mm -hmm. that's shot a little bit more professionally um and just see how that goes maybe maybe two a month on YouTube for that while I continue to hammer these other, you know, 45 to 90 second videos. Do you think there'll be like a transition point where you make like short series or like a, like maybe a 15 minute short video with multiple characters and you're sketching out, like working out or is that like, or do you think, or like stand up comedy, do you think you'll do any stand up comedy or are you just really just trying to see where the shorts go or is like, is that, is that as a whole or, what are you thinking for the future? So the the shorts that I'm doing on YouTube are just really to try to grow my YouTube channel. It's just me posting the same content that I do on Instagram and TikTok, except in front of the YouTube shorts audience. Um, but I have stand-up comedy is in my plans. Um, it's been something I've wanted to do for a little while now. And if you notice on some of my stuff, like on Instagram and TikTok, I'll do these story times mm -hmm. um, where I'm telling a story about when I was in the, you know, they're true stories with a comedic twist to, you know, with me being comedic about it, but uh, true stories from my life that I just remember and tell, you know, that are funny. And that's me kind of secretly practicing for stand up and trying uh -huh. to leak out some material that I would pot potentially use in a stand up routine yeah. and seeing how it does. I saw so that far bit. they've done really well. Yeah, that bit about your shirt when you're in the service was pretty hilarious when you ripped it. <laughs> yeah, true story. 
<laughs> like you you told him that you used it for toilet paper right and then like yeah like was that just i mean was that there was that wasn't even that went flat like no one like what i mean what happened with that like in your next move was you were you're on latrine right or is it yeah so that was uh you know just be telling about a time we were in afghanistan and uh i had to go to the bathroom you know and you're just out there with nothing and uh so I just like you have your blouse top on and I just took a knife and cut the square out of my shirt and used it. And then when we got back from the mission or whatever, you, you turn your stuff in for laundry and then they deliver it back to your base. So I just threw it in with laundry uh-huh. and then we were getting dressed for another mission and we're, we're hurrying, you know, everybody's <laughs> rushing. It was something fast going on. I just throw the shirt on. I don't even realize it's the shirt, you know, uh-huh so we get back from that mission and everybody's like at the base, like taking off their stuff. And I take off my stuff and I'm down to my, just my shirt. And it's that shirt that I had on with just the, the stuff I cut out of it. And everybody was like, what are you wearing right now? You know? And so I had to explain what was going on. But what's funny about that is like, I do have a little bit of the military community that are fans. Uh-huh. I don't produce a lot of, I specifically do not produce just veteran-only content like you see a lot of people do. I like to share my story with everybody, mm-hmm. and uh, but people that rec- recognize certain things in my video go, this guy was in the military, and I think that's cool. So when I tell some of these stories, I get a lot of those uh, military followers retelling similar stories yeah, in sure. the comments. And it's like, you know, another way to connect with people. Those mill, like, for whatever reason, mill talk pops up. I guess I work sometimes with the, like, I work with the federal government on, for my normal job. Yeah. And the mill talk will pop up all the time. And, like, some of those stories like that are like, you can't even make that up. Like, yeah. that is just <laughs> some craziness that happens. Um, But, yeah, and then, like, so I've been in L.A. for a while, the last month and a half. And we've been going like the Laugh Factory and comedy shows like that. Yeah. And it's definitely like, I could definitely see you going in those venues because they're quaint. People are like trying out their bits. And there's a lot of stuff there where I'm like, man, I could definitely see like what you talking about it is you going in there and doing like a 15 minute bit and just seeing like what pops off from there and then just generating the content from there. Because what it's really evident now is you, your trajectory is wherever you want to go because you have the business in. You have right. the content creation in, you have the comedy and the creativity. So it's really like you can steer the ship wherever you want it to go. So my plan is with that is maybe in the summer, um, and this will be one of my YouTube one of my YouTube plans is I, I feel like I've got enough stuff right now for maybe a little twenty to thirty minute routine, and I'm actually considering doing my own little event here. Like I got a friend where I could use their space maybe and just set up my own little comedy show, maybe have a buddy play some music before and, you know, make a little event out of it, have a little bit of an audience, have drinks and whatever, and then shoot it professionally like my own stand-up special and then use that to put on, you know, have a live audience that's laughing and all that kind of stuff and then use that on YouTube and then cut little bits out of it for Instagram and stuff to promote me doing stand up, and then see if that helps me get my foot in the door with some of these, you know, comedians. Cause the stand up comedy stuff around here in Birmingham just isn't great. Yeah. Uh, I might go to Nashville on, on the weekends and try to hit some stuff up there. It's still not great in Nashville. It's getting better. Yeah. Um, 
So like, that's that's my thought. It seems like Austin is starting to pop off. Yes. But LA, I was stunned. And then they have like these like if you wanted to do stand up for like open mic, even at the laugh factory, they let you go in on Sunday and they'll give you three minutes if you want to oh, like cool. So like there's a lot of like I was like, that's crazy. Like just like the fact that there's so much there's almost like a talent funnel even from those aspects, because I saw Dan Cook in one of his shows last week and he looked me deep into my eyes and asked me why I was laughing at his joke. <laughs> Which I was like, oh, I don't know what to say to you. Like, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, from that standpoint, like I definitely see it. I think that would be an awesome idea for you to generate that. And then just, because the thing is, like, why not? Like, why not like start to branch out and do things like that right. and build a show? But I think that's, that's, you know, do you have any closing thoughts or anything before we kind of shut this thing down? No, no, no. Hopefully I wasn't too long winded. I can, sometimes I get to talking and, <laughs> and don't shut up. No, that's the whole point. Like really it's all about those rants and those conversations. Long windedness is, yeah. I mean, I'm from Arkansas, so, you know, I'll always take long windedness over not, you know? <laughs> yeah. And for it's, sure. Like for like for whatever reason, like I grew up on an Arkansas farm, but I never picked up the Arkansas like twang. Yeah, like, when you said you're from Arkansas, I was like, man, I can't I can't hear it. You know, I I I think I've got a little bit of a southern accent, but I just still get people that that don't know a southern accent that can't tell that I'm from you know from the south. I've had people ask, "Where's your accent from?" Sometimes. So when I'm around southerners, it gets a little bit more southern, but yeah. <laughs> No, like for my dad was actually in radio, right? He's from oh, okay. Oklahoma. And my mom was a little bit from the north. And like growing up, like my grandpa was actually born in Alabama, lived in Alabama, moved to Michigan and Detroit to kind of start out building cars. And he ended up having like 14 kids. So, you know, he's from Alabama. Like The dude had right. kids and he put them out on his farm in Michigan and they worked out on the farm. And then when they came to Arkansas, it's like one thing I met, like I grew up, on a cow farm, maybe 10 acres and in the middle of nowhere, never picked up the twang. It was like the weirdest thing ever. I don't know why. I don't know if it's just been set in or what. Yeah. Yeah. Well, probably a good thing. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes you say stuff like golly or daggone, like daggone it. It's like nobody says those words elsewhere. And that's when they know. But Evan, where can people find you? I know we've been talking about it, but like, what, you know, where, where can they find you? Yeah, so uh, Instagram and TikTok. Instagram is fit the number two serve, then the number one. So fit to serve one. And then, but if you search fit to serve, usually I pop up. And then TikTok is just fit to serve. So uh, same on YouTube as well, fit to serve. All right, perfect. Well, thank you so much. And then, um, yeah, I appreciate the conversation. Yeah, I appreciate the questions, man. I have a good time. Yeah, and then I'm just going to – let me just close out here, and then I'll just kind of 